Well, good morning. My name is uh, Mark, one of the pastors here at Park. Um, and we are, after a week break last week, we're going to be jumping back into Philippians, which was the uh, book we were going through um, through most of this summer. Uh, we're going to be walking through the rest of chapter 2. So if you want to open with me to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. Uh, we'll start with a little bit of a review, though, of past weeks. Uh, it's been, like I said, a couple weeks since we've been in this book. Um, if you remember my last two messages, which was the passage immediately before this, Paul was encouraging us to live a certain way and to be a certain type of people. He and God called us to be a community of people marked by love and unity. We unite around Christ and our pursuit to love and serve those around us. And he gave us a couple practical hints on how to do that. We do that by considering others more significant than ourselves, and we look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. He encouraged us to live this way, and he then showed us a beautiful picture of how Jesus lived this way to encourage us. And as we come right after that passage, Paul further fleshes out this idea, gives us a little bit more detail on what it looks like, gives us more encouragements. So let's look at our passage. Again, it's Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, again, this is right after the last two passages we talked about. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So before we start diving into these verses, um, we need to take a step back and look at the book as a whole. And I need to make a kind of a blanket statement about it. As I started looking uh, back into the passages and reviewing stuff, I realized how corporate this book is. And what I mean by that is that the things we are commanded to do in this book are not individual. They require interaction with others and have to be worked out amidst a community of believers. This hit me really hard with uh, the verses we're looking at today, mainly because almost always when I've heard this verse presented, it's very individual. Work out your salvation. You need to make sure you are saved, really is the meaning they give to it. And that typically implies just make sure you have correct doctrine and beliefs is how it's used. And then in addition to that, it just kind of ignores the second half of those two verses. For it's God who's working in you. 
In my life, that's how this verse has typically been used. And this verse definitely has individual implications and has worked out individually. But we cannot separate that from the purpose of the book as a whole. The purpose of God working in us as a community for the sake of others. And we're going to unpack that in a little bit. But for all of these things we're looking at, just remember, this is us together. This is not you by yourself. There are individual parts of it for you working out your salvation, but it happens amidst the community. So, let's look into these verses. Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Paul Again, as uh, in previous weeks and in most of his letters, he always starts with encouragement. He is encouraging them and basically saying, just keep doing what you were doing. You did it while I was there, and now keep doing it while I'm not there. And encourages them in their activity. And then he goes on, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like I said, all my life I've heard this verse commended as a very individual thing. You need to be vigilant so that you don't end up losing your faith. That's how I've heard it. If you stop there, it's as that is the only thing this verse says, you miss most of the text. And it's a very shallow understanding of what this verse says. The call is there, but it's not the point. That's like saying, the reason I take a vacation is so I can drive my car and put gas in it. That's part of it. It's part of vacation, but that's not the point of vacation. There's so much more to vacation than that. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling is a call for us together to bring about what God is doing in us. That sounds weird because it is weird. And we're going to look into it a little bit deeper. But why do I see this as a corporate thing? It's because of just the tone of the letter as a whole. Uh, We're going to look back a little bit. You don't have to follow me to these verses, but I'll read them to you. So Philippians 1, 27 and 28. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, same kind of feel, I may hear... Of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. Having same love, in full accord, of one mind, having one purpose. The only way for you to be the same or be united in something, is for there to be more than one of you. You cannot consider others more significant than yourselves by yourself. There's got to be people there to consider more important than you. You cannot look to others' interests when there are no others with you. Inerrant in the commands that he gives in this book is us together. Chapter 2, 
verses 1 and 2 and verse 4. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. It's just a constant reminder of unity and working out what God has called us to together. And our passage today is no different. It sounds very individual, but right after these couple verses is verse 14, which he tells us do everything without grumbling or disputing. Disputing happens when there's more than one person. So when Paul tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, it is us together, not you alone, with your thoughts. We together must work out the salvation that God has given us. Again, there are elements where you are by yourself working this out, but you always come back to the community to live it out. So now, what does it mean? What does it mean to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? So in order to understand that, we need to look at these two verses together, verses 12 and 13. These verses need to be taken together, and they should never be separated. Like I said, when I would hear this verse presented when I was younger, it was always separated. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling as in a, a duty or a threat. But I love the way the Bible speaks. And this is one of those verses that, for me, proves and gives weight to the idea that the truths in this book are not from man, but from God. Because you can just tell that they're grasping for strange language to try to figure out how to explain what's going on in us. So he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation because God is at work. Isn't that strange? You work with fear and trembling because God is at work in you. Again, as I was growing up, this verse was always presented as somewhat as a threat. Not intentionally, but just a warning. Work out your salvation because you've got to make sure you're saved. You don't want to find out that you're not a Christian. But that's not all what Paul's saying. Now, it's not, I don't like doing this, but it's not as clear in the English. And I don't like going to Greek because I don't know Greek. I know just enough to get in trouble with it. And I also don't like putting forward the idea that you have to know the original languages in order to understand what God's telling you in a passage. It can paint more colors to it at times. But in English here, we have one word for work. And that's what we're stuck with. In Greek, 
There's two different words there. And you still come to the correct conclusion if you really think about it in English and maybe look at multiple translations. But we're going to look at the two different words here because this one's pretty easy to follow. The first one, work out your own salvation. The word there means to produce or accomplish. So you can see why they didn't translate it straight to that in the Bible. Accomplish your own salvation with fear and trembling. That Bible might not sell many copies. But you can see why they did use work. Work kind of carries the same idea. Produce, accomplish, uh, bring about, work out, make. You're, They're doing something. There's an action. You're working out. Now the second one, for it is God who works in you, This has the same meaning, to produce or accomplish, but it carries somewhat of a different idea, and that idea is it's a continual working. It's a a repeated, continual thing that's going on. And the, the word is where we get our word energy from. So like I, like I said, it can help to look at multiple English translations to just see how they handle the text differently. This is uh, the Christian Standard Bible. It used to be the Holman Christian Standard. Um, here's how they translate it. And it car- gets the idea a little bit better. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's the same. For it is God who is working in you. They add the I-N-G at the end. Because it carries that idea of there's a continual process that's always happening. So, and as I was looking over the stuff yesterday, I had the thought of it's sort of like uh, a light bulb when you turn a light on. When you flip the switch, that's a singular action that you're doing. And that turns the light on. But what keeps the light on is not your action of flipping the switch. It's the electricity that's constantly running through that circuit. So to say it this way would be turn on the light because the electricity is continually working there and it turns the light on. That'd be a way of thinking about it. So are you starting to see how this is actually a promise? It's not a warning. You work out, produce, accomplish, you bring out, you make known, you bring to the surface what God is already doing in you continually, repeatedly, every day. Make what he is doing in us a reality with all your might and passion. God is at work in you continually. So you work to bring it out. That's what Paul's saying. And this ought to be an incredible encouragement over the past few weeks. Consider others more significant than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. These are the characteristics of how you live out your faith. And God is always continually working in you to bring them out. So you work with all your might to make it happen. It's an amazing promise.
In addition to that, God is pleased to do it. It is for his good pleasure. He's happy to work in you. So here's where we get back to our corporateness together. Remember, none of what I just said is happening in a vacuum. This is us together. Verse 14 through 16. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That is a group. doesn't happen by yourself. That you may be blameless and innocent children, again, together, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Again, I just love how the Bible talks and how Paul talks. He comes from this amazing promise that God is working in you continually. And he comes out of that to say, don't argue with each other. (laughs) But how true is that? Isn't it? It's amazing the things that Christians choose to argue about. Churches split over music style, programming, carpet color, leaving churches not because God has called people away, but because it just doesn't fit right. Here's what we need to know and what Paul is saying. What we choose to grumble about and dispute about can totally ruin our testimony to the world. At this point, I had stuck in my head a story that my dad told. He preached a couple times when I was younger as an elder at the church where I grew up. And one time he told this story. And I don't know if he made it up or if he heard it from somewhere, but I'll credit him with it. So, and it's somewhat of a lighthearted way of demonstrating the idea that disputing and grumbling can ruin your testimony. But the story takes place in the South Pacific. There's a ship heading back, and they're winding through the hundreds of islands down there. And they go past one, and there's just this massive bill of smoke, big column coming out of this island. So the captain's like, well, we should probably pull over and see. And they get a little closer, and they look through the, uh, their eyeglass, and they see this big bonfire on the beach. And, you know, a guy just waving, waving his arms. So they're like, okay, we got to go. Go investigate. So the captain and a couple crew members get, get in a boat, head over to the island. And they get on the beach. The guy runs up to him and says, oh, thank you so much. I have been stranded on this island by myself for the last five years. And I've been praying every day that a ship would come by to save me. And the captain's like, well, great, great, we're here. We can bring you home. Let's get your stuff together. Let's get you out here. So they go a little ways, and they go to his, his hut that he made, beautiful house almost. And they're just like, did you make this? And he's like, yeah, I was, I was a carpenter before I got stranded on this island. So 
I pass my time by building things. So they're like, wow, this is amazing. So he gets his stuff together and they go down another little path through and there's this beautiful uh, little chapel, church steeple and everything. And the crew and the captain are just like, wow, this is beautiful. What, did you make this? He's like, yes. The only thing that helped me make it through this five years was my faith. And I came to this chapel every day to pray that someone would come and save me. I have to tell you about my faith and about Jesus. And the captain's like, oh, great, we'll have all, all the time in the world. We'll get back to the ship and head home. So they go a little farther through a path, and they come out into another clearing, and there's another church, another chapel. And the captain is like, oh, what's this? And the man just gets kind of a sunken, frustrated, almost angry look on his face. He says, well, that's the church I used to go to. And it's, it's lighthearted. But what it shows is his, even in himself, his disputing and grumbling ruins his testimony. Because it must not have been that important if he got frustrated on his own and had to build another church. Now, it demonstrates what Paul's getting at. Disputes, grumbling, they can ruin our witness. There are these cosmic realities that work among you and in you and in us. And if we're willing to put our foot down and argue about fill in the blank, It ruins that. There are some things that should be disputed. But I would argue that it really is a very small list. And taken in context with everything we go through in life, there's not a lot to argue about as a community of faith. Don't fight amongst yourselves. This is how we stick it out together. Every group of people has inner conflict. Everyone. Every organization. But can you imagine how much the world would notice if a diverse group of people existing together with no disputes or no grumbling, serving and loving each other with all their might, the world would notice. We don't have to imagine that too hard because deep down inside we all hunger for it. And oh, how we would stick out if we lived this way. Paul gives the example. You will shine as lights in the world. You'll stick out like a light in a dark room. A light in a dark room is impossible to ignore if your eyes are open. You can't choose to not see light. The world needs this now more than ever. More than I certainly have ever seen in my lifetime. 
with all the turmoil going on right now. The world needs to see what God is doing in and among us and in you more than ever before. So I'm going to close by reading just this little section again to see it all together. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hold fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Our call as a community of faith is to live out what God is doing. Live out what God is continually doing in us together as a group of believers. One way that we do it here to remind ourselves of this reality week in, week out, is to take communion together. So if you have uh, here in the sanctuary, we've got the elements in front of you and the pew in front of you. Um, At home, if you want to get your uh, elements together. So again, a way for us to remind ourselves of this reality is to week in, week out, remember what Christ did for us and what he is doing in us continually. The night before he died, they were sharing a supper together and he took bread and he said, this is my body given for you. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And they took a cup, it would have been full of wine. And he held it up and he said, this is my blood that is spilled for you. And it purchases a new covenant that guarantees that continual working in you and among us. And said, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these amazing realities that are kind of hard to grasp. They're hard to keep at the front of our minds because they're always happening in the background. You're constantly working in our lives. Lord, help us see those areas where you are working and help us to work it out with all our passion. Bring it to the surface, bring it out, accomplish it, produce it, make it happen. Not because we have the ability, but because you are already doing it in us. Lord, we thank you for these realities. In Jesus' name, amen.